Lugrero shata baya garabase ketege de borose. Imbronto susuzunde tiarabasha. Oh Lord, we lift your glory above every situation, every intellect. We lift your glory above every discovery, every knowledge, everything. Your glory is above all the earth. Your glory takes the preeminence in this place. We are influenced by your glory, by your word, by your light, by your truth. We are influenced by your spirit in this place today. Nobody will be under the sound of my voice and go the same. Let your glory be above all our lives here, O oh God. Sicknesses are healed under the sound of my voice. In the name of Jesus, questions are answered. Transformation comes upon a man and a woman in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ. The feeling of guilt is done away with. In the name of Jesus. We are made better by your word this morning, O God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Glory be to your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's have a seat. I want to bless God and I want to bless the pastorate for the opportunity to just continue and round up on um, what we've been discussing. We've been talking about Arise, Shine. Can we just open quickly our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60, the Bible says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. And thick darkness over the people. But the Lord rises upon you. And his glory appears over you. Hallelujah. The Lord rises upon you. And his glory appears over you. And we've discovered already that this is not something that will happen. This is something that has happened. Hallelujah. The glory of God has risen upon you. Every man who is born of God, who is born again, who accepts the, the sacrifice of Christ over his life, has received the light of God shining upon his life. Hallelujah. And then we say, because this has happened, arise and shine. So we are talking about arising and shining. Amen. Amen. And we say to our identity, there is a word. Can we say it again? To our identity, there is a word. I mean, it is going to be very funny if exploit comes to meet Pastor Victor and he says, Daddy, I am hungry. And he says, uh -huh. Hallelujah. No, what will you say? What, what will him, uh, Pastor Victor himself say? Praise God. A father is responsible for what? For the children he produces. Praise God. So also, we are responsible for the identity we received. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can I say that again? Our identity comes with what? A responsibility. And it's high time we started to talk about this fact and this reality. Amen? It's high time we started to do what? Talk about this reality. That our identity 
has a responsibility attached to it. And this is what the prophet Isaiah was saying, that arise, your light has come. What is wrong with you? You know, we've been walking up and down, making no movement, sitting down in one place. But then the word of God is coming to us today to arise. And we say that there are some places we're just going to talk about that we need to arise. And we say number one is what? Arise in knowledge and maturity. Were you around last week? It's not your answer. Hallelujah. Arise in what? Knowledge and maturity. And we say that knowledge is important for anything, any field. It's not just about spirituality, even in every other field of life. If you don't have knowledge, you will not be acknowledged. <laughs> You see, I, I had to say that so that we can have a better atmosphere. It's like you people are just frowning your face. But we are saying knowledge is what is important. We have to arise in our knowledge of God. And we, we, we read from Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32 that in the face of the turmoil of the situation at that time, the Bible says, they that know their God, they shall be what? Strong and they shall do exploit. And I said we'll continue today as we talk about what God's knowledge will do for you. I mean, what, what should we do with God's knowledge? Or what would God's knowledge do for us? Any of them? Praise God. So we must arise in knowledge if we are going to what? Be preserved in this generation. The world is getting darker and darker. What Isaiah said then is still happening now. It's just that the kind of darkness is maybe different. A new kind of darkness is being orchestrated every day. Hallelujah. But then you have to arise. If you are not arising, you will just flow with the trend. And before you know, you are lost. Hallelujah. And we say that, number one, the knowledge of God will mature us. You cannot afford to leave your development and maturity in the hand of the government or in the hand of your own experience. In fact, it's worse if you leave it in the hand of your own experience. What is your experience? You came from a dark place. Maybe you're count your generation back to two or three, you will see darkness overing. Hallelujah. You know, my mom used to tell us of how when they were younger, they would just tear the neck of a chicken to, just to pray for them. Put blood on some of their, you know, leg or anything just to pray for them. Darkness. So I can't depend on such an environment or knowledge to grow me or to mature me. So let the knowledge of God be the tool for your maturity. Hallelujah. Let the knowledge of God be what? The tool for your maturity. See, David, in the face of Goliath, did not depend on the experience of Saul. Saul was going to come with experience. Oh, take this one. Take the spear. Take the shield. Take everything. But David said, I come what? In the name of who? The Lord. So let knowing God, and what we said the knowledge of God is not hearing about God. Or you understand? The knowledge of God is engaging in a fellowship with God. Knowing God, being able to fellowship with God. Some of us don't know the government of our country, the, the president, for example, of your country. You've heard about him. In fact, you can say a lot of things about him if you are studying international relations. You know, Pastor Imam can talk a lot about Barack Obama. But does he have a fellowship with him? Do you know him? Does he know you? <laughs> Do you understand what we're saying? So it's not just about hearing about God. Oh, my mom told me God is good. Mm -mm. It's about fellowshipping with God. 
and let that fellowship be a place of growth for you. When God says yes, say that this is yes in all circumstances. When God says no, know that this is a no in all circumstances. When the Bible says a child of God should do this, you will receive it with all humility. You are not going to start thinking about it. See, the knowledge of God must deliver us from intellectual mentality. Where you calculate and permutate. And then you end up entering into an error. If my mom suffer and my grandmom suffer, I must not suffer. So what should I do? I must do the wrong thing. No, that's not what the word of God says. The word of God is saying that there's a way you don't have to suffer, but there's a way to take, to get victory in that space. Praise God. So I have to allow the word of God to be my what? My tutor. To mature me. The word of God must mature you. We must choose the word of God to mature us and not challenges of life. Some of us, it's challenges that has matured us. I'm not saying you shouldn't learn in challenges, but learn what God is saying in challenges. Let me say that again. Don't let the challenge be the one to teach you. Let the word of God to you in that stress or stage of life be the one to tutor you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Are we here? Hallelujah. So let the word of God mature you. Let the word of God teach you. Let the word of God open your heart to what is possible. Some of us cannot see any possibility because we've not been exposed to the word of God. With God's word, there's no limitation. Hallelujah. So we say the word of God should be the one to reveal us. That's number two. To mature us, the word of God should be the one to reveal us. The, God is the fountain of our natural life. He's the fountain of our spiritual life. And is the fountain of eternal life. God should be the fountain of everything that pertains to you. So God is not just one thing we learn by the side. With every other thing you learn in life. No. No. The word of God should be the core of your development. So let God's word be the one to reveal you. When the fullness of time comes, let God's word push you out. Let God go prepare you. Hallelujah. In his light, the Bible says we shall what? We shall see light. In the knowledge of his grace, in the vision of his glory, the light of Christ will shine upon our countenance. And we will see light. We will learn how to live. The word of God must be your number one. Hallelujah. And the third one is that the word of God will grant you victory over sin. See, when you know God, then you know that God is consistent. Some of us don't even know God. When we are going through challenges, we think God is not there. Then you don't know God. You think God is like your friend that will be with you when you have money. But when you don't have money, we run away. That's not God. So we need to know God. In the face of challenges, in the midst of tribulations, and whatever we are going through, we have to know God. The, the knowledge of this God is what will now free you from sin. We've been studying it in our, in our cell meeting. It is not the law that will free you from sin because the law is weakened by the flesh. Hallelujah. But there is a new covenant. The understanding of God's covenant, revelation of God's grace to you, frees you from sin. And that is the knowledge of God. 
No other means can we be free from sin than in, than in Christ, than, than from what Christ has done. Hallelujah. Then the last one, which is very important, let the knowledge of God give us perspective about every other knowledge. Let the knowledge of God give you perspective about every other knowledge. I said it last week, we've learned so many things apart from God. We can, you can talk about Bitcoin and the next coin that will, be, that will change the world. What do you know of God? See, let the knowledge of God build the right perspective in you so that you can relate with every other knowledge correctly. Hallelujah. So in this place, we are not saying don't go to school, don't learn, don't read books. No. But we are saying know God before you expose yourself to those things. You know, we've had friends who are ch children of God and because they know some little things about science, they, they started saying, ah, there's no God. What do you know? What do you know? Your grandfather in science, in science practice, gone, they are coming back to God now. Do you know what is happening? They cannot explain so many things. And we are not saying science is wrong, but we are saying let God's knowledge guide you in that space also. Hallelujah. So what other space, you know, we're talking about arising. You need to have the knowledge of money. You need to have the knowledge of family, relationship, have the knowledge of science, have the knowledge of psychology and philosophy, but don't do them without knowing who? God. You know, I love the way Toza put it. He says, so many men bury their head in the laboratories and on the field, trying to discover what God made. He said, I would rather spend my time knowing the God who made them. Hallelujah. Can we start to come back to that place where we give our attention to knowing God? Yes, you are born again. Yes, you are, in fact, you are the first believer in your family. But do you know God? See, many wrong things have been handed over to us from generation to generation even in the faith, in the church. They've made us to think that the essence of knowing God is money or the essence of knowing God is influence, you know, because we are coming from a background where there is a lot of pressure to even become a somebody. You understand? So for you to now become a somebody, you need to come and know God so that you will leave the realm of nobodies. See, all these things, that is not the word of God. Hallelujah. So you have to come to that. Thank God you are no more a child. Toast, being tossed to and fro. You need to come to know God for yourself. Because the knowledge of God is what will mature you. If you don't know God correctly, when you get to another uh, environment where those struggles of making money is no more there, you probably not give attention to God because you were not motivated by the right knowledge before. Hallelujah. You know, when I went home in February, I went to Nigeria and I was with my cousin. I think I mentioned it here. And it was like, ah, Kola, when people travel abroad, they don't become so serious with God. But it's like you, you went abroad and you even become more serious. What is happening? I said, the problem is that they don't know God. Because what they were praying for, the reason why they were going to church, fire, fire, you know, you know, you know. They are praying for it for money or for lights to come. You see, you have to, eh? For visa. For road, you know, you understand. And when you go to a developed community, when you go to a place like um, the Scandinavian countries, 
where they, they record little accidents in a whole year. In fact, a whole year can go without one single accident. You understand? You feel at where we've left those places where the witches and wizards are troubling us. And because you don't know why you should know God. You think it's because of witch and wizard we know God? Who is a witch? What's his name in the house of Alaro? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You, it's not because of all those things. And this is why we are deceived every day. You understand? I'm not saying it's wrong for you to join prayers in the morning, to join different prayer. You know, you are just looking for one special something. When you are supposed to invest your time knowing the Lord, when you know God, you will ease the burden of living. Hallelujah. When your knowledge of God is sound, the burden of living is eased from you. You are not looking for the new place to pray. Ah, there's a special way they pray there. In Nigeria, ah, those things are serious. You know, <laughs> in my church where I grew up, I bless God for that church. They taught me God's word. Hallelujah. But they also taught me a few things. <laughs> you know, they, we do this thing every month. We call it crossover. It says crossover. <laughs> you know, you have to uh, you have to cross over to take over, something like that. So you so they bring some special, special pastors. These pastors are not our pastors. They are not the pastors of our church. So our church is sound. You understand? But they, they bring these special pastors, you know, and these people will come and be saying some things. And because we don't know God, we are just moved by error. You know, we are moved by emotions. They they create some kind of emotions in you. You start crying. They, Somebody is sleeping, they say it's a wish that is blowing here on him. And then you, you, you don't want weak wish though. You have gone bricklay, you know, our church is not so much of a rich church. Bricklayers, brick mechanics, you've gone from morning to night. You've gone, you've gone to do work. Is your body not going to be weak? So your body is now weak, you are sleeping. They say it's, it's, a, it's a witch that is blowing air on you. And you are now angry. Witch must not blow. What kind of, somebody will say, you see a prophecy that a witch is sitting down in the church. What kind of prophecy is that? On, on the church of Christ, that the Bible says the gate of hell shall not prevail. What is wrong with us? We need to come to know the Lord. We have to arise in the knowledge of God. If we want to preserve, you know, our own line of Christian faith, because if you are, if you are serious or unserious, the Christian faith will be preserved. It may not be preserved in your line. Maybe your family will not know it. Maybe your children will not know it. So if you want to preserve your line of Christian faith, you have to know God. I love the way Vodibokam said it one of these days. I mean, he was talking about the kind of man his, his daughter will marry. He says, he says his daughter, he says his grandchildren cannot be lawless. Ah, God, can we be people who stand in faith for our grandchildren? He says, my grandchildren cannot be lawless. So because of that, he's going to teach his child very well to know the kind of spouse to have. Because if your spouse have a lawless, uh, if your child has a lawless spouse, Forget it. There's a 50% chance. Maybe you do it biology now. AA times AA. You understand? Calculate it. So there's a 50% chance that your grandchild will be lawless. So the knowledge of God is important. The knowledge of God is what? It's important to give us a right perspective to other knowledge. The knowledge of the devil. If you don't know God and you know the devil, you are in trouble. You understand? And that's what some of the churches teach us. You know, there's this pastor they used to bring. That man, okay. You know, that one vexed me a lot because this man has special knowledge about the devil. 
You understand? Because it will come and teach about different type of dream, different type of battle. You know, I mean, and it speaks about them in Yoruba. And if they teach you the devil in Yoruba, ah, my brother, you fear. <laughs> you understand? So, if you know about the devil and you don't know about God who has defeated the devil, what do you know? If you know about money, ah, money is important, money is this, and you don't know about God who made money, you don't know about the knowledge of God who can preserve you from money deceiving you, what do you know? If you know about marriage, oh, you know, all this lovey-dovey stuff on, on Instagram. Oh, couple's goal. You know, you watch a movie, you don't know. If you know about those things and you don't know God who instituted marriage, what do you know? No wonder we have marriage is breaking like, like a breeze tool or something. I don't know. Praise God. So we have to arise in the knowledge of God. You have to go back to your country knowing the Lord. You, see, when you are going back to your country, you don't have to go with anything. You don't have to go with your laptop, with anything. You have to go with one thing. Knowing the Lord. The knowledge of God. There is no place they put you. If you know God, you will, you will survive there. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't just know about success. Some of us can attend empowerment program from Genesis to Revelation. But you don't know God. I'm not saying those things are wrong. But I said, when you know God, they put all of them in the right world perspective. They put them all in the right perspective. Knowledge of politics, nation building, knowledge of business, knowledge of human psychology, knowledge of families and relationships. They are very good. And we encourage us to do it. In fact, in our Wednesday meetings, what have we been treating? We've taught, we've taught about purpose, about health, about relationship. We've, we are going to talk about health. We've talked about finances. But we cannot afford to give you those knowledge without giving you the knowledge of God. You know why? In the book of Matthew, when Jesus Christ was talking about the seed, the parable of the, of, of the sower, I, I think I taught it here one time like that. When he was, the Bible says that he received it with joy. Hmm? But when he goes, the challenges of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, they took it away from him. We don't want you to be like that. Only God can preserve a man. Let me say it again. Only the knowledge of God can preserve a man. Hallelujah. So how do you know God? You know God by studying the word. How much time do you give to studying the word? We want to arise in this generation. We have to know God by studying the word for ourselves. Don't come on Sunday when it's read to you. Do you read the Bible for yourself? Do you? Do you know a scripture? Do you know any scripture for your situation? We know God by being in the gathering of believers. Glory to God, we are in the gathering of believers today. We know God by doing what? By reading God-centered books. Some people have wrote and they've written books that are very good for our knowledge of God. They point us back to the Bible. That's God-centered book. You understand? We know God by that. We know God by meditating and praying. And I wrote here, because I didn't want to forget, I said we, don't, we know God by true discipleship. Some of us are just here, you know, you just come on Sunday, then you wait till the next Sunday. When you can, you can register in a discipleship program of some of the pastors here. I know Pastor Fred is doing one, Pastor Costin is doing one, you know. You can be part of it. 
without discipleship, you don't have true knowledge because you just do things on your own. You calculate it and permutate it by your head. Hallelujah. We know God through discipleship. We know God by just taking time to think about God. You just read the scripture. What is God saying here, Seth? And you start to meditate on it. Hallelujah. We need to arise in the knowledge of God. The way to keep your family and your future is through the knowledge of God. I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. And let's go to number two. Number one is what? Arise in knowledge and maturity. Knowledge breeds maturity. Amen. We said the knowledge of God should mature us. And the number two is that we have to arise in joy and in character. Hey, see, I can't talk about this enough. Arising in joy and in character. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Let's just read it together very quickly. Can you just project it? Arise in joy and in character. Where is it? Philippians 4, 4. All right, I'm going to read it from here. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. This one is not a suggestion. Amen? It's a command. It's a reality of our identity. So it's high time we come to arise in joy and in character. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. I'll read that again before I share some of the things I wrote here. So just some of the things I was thinking about, about joy. 14 and verse 17. 14, 17. Where is it? All right, the Bible says that what? For the kingdom of God is not in matter of drinking and eating. What they are teaching, what many people are teaching today is matter of eating and drinking. Protection, eating, drinking, protection. That's not the kingdom of God. See, we didn't get the faith today because God is protecting the people. Some people went, they know this is fire. You, you, you didn't read in the book of Acts. Paul said, I am not afraid of that. They told him, if you go there, you will die. He said, I'm not afraid. He said, it's not a big deal. But all of us today, shrinking away, we, we just want to be protected. We don't want to know the Lord anymore. They've given us a diluted gospel. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is not in eating or in drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. No wonder the, the, the apostles, when they were beating them, the Bible says what? They rejoice. They say, ah, we are excited. We are able to be part of what Christ suffered. Can you imagine that? See, there's no way we are going to rise above the challenges of now if we don't come to this reality, this knowledge. This is a, is, a, is a fact that we have to embrace. See, there's, there's no much joy in the world today, right? Yes, we have a good number of humans who experience a soup of excitement. I call it a soup of excitement because when that time finishes, you finish the soup already. You go back to your life again. Ah, when will the next thing happen? You understand? So the time people are rejoicing, when they are getting married, they rejoice. So for two years, maybe they don't have a child. They are sad, up and down. And when a child came, they rejoice. Maybe they graduate, they rejoice. Mm -mm. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. I say, there are some humans who experience the soup of excitement and happiness here and there when something 
they deem good happens to them. Maybe when they get admission or when they are getting married or when they are traveling to Cyprus before they get here. You know? And then when they land at the airport, that excitement just begins to change. Why is there no green grass everywhere? <laughs> Is it maybe when they are traveling, maybe when they are studying a particular course of their dream. Right? But we as believers, we have joy in our kingdom. That is our lifestyle. We are not buried down because of challenges. You see, I see young people today, they don't even smile. They are not ever happy. The only time you see them smile at all is not in church, it's in club. That's the time they can smile at all. Maybe they are watching some people dance and it's just exciting on social media. But in church, at home, you know, alone, they don't, they are not rejoicing. I mean, you should stand up in the morning sometimes. Yes, you are faced with the challenges of no school fees. And then you just say, glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do you see that fact? God doesn't want us to rejoice because he has given us school fees. Yes, he wants us to be happy about it, but he doesn't want us to be, he doesn't want that to be the reason for our rejoicing. The reason for our rejoicing, see, if we rejoice only in time when things are working on our way or in our way, then we are just like every other person. Don't you think so? It's the same thing for love. The Bible says if you love only those who are lovable. You say, how is that one special? It's not a special thing. Ah, this person is good to me. I love him. This person is bad to me. I hate him. That is the way of the world. The same thing is joy. Because, oh, everything is going rosy. I wrote it here. I said, we see some people. How did I write? I said, but we as believers have joy in our kingdom. It is part of what was given to us in God's kingdom. And it is time we started to show the world that there is joy in Christ. There is what? There is joy in Christ. There is joy in being a believer. See, our hope is not only in this world. Our hope is eternal. We have eternal hope, eternal significance. Do you understand what we are saying? Our hope is eternal. So we don't allow challenges to bury our head. Some of us, our back has bent because of challenges. If it's possible, you'll be walking like this. So that people can know how heavy the burden of life is on you. No. Some people rejoice only because they see that they are the ones above every other person. So in the click of their friend, if they are the one doing well more than everybody, they are happy. Anytime somebody come above them, they, they are sad. What kind of life is that? Oh, you are not the principal in three idiots. You know, it's, everything is just competition, competition. You know, and... <laughs> Rancho had to show him one day. You know, he brought him to the class. I don't know if you've seen the movie, very old movie. Brought him to the class. I mean, he's trying to correct him. That life is just not always about competition. So he brought him to the class. He says, I'm going to write a word on the board. Anybody that finds it first is the boss or is the champion, something like that. So he wrote it, pa, 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 and everybody started looking. The principal gathered three test books, opening, 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 opening. He says, time up. Life is not just like that. Say, tell us the meaning of the word on the board. Say, there's no word like this. I just wrote the name of my friends. See, if you are just competing, you will discover that you are just chasing after nothing. Nobody cares if you are richer or poorer. I'm telling you, see, if you have this understanding, life will be easier for you. 
stop living your life to compete with people. Stop living your life to be better than every other person. Some more money you have, instead of you to save or something, you want to show, ah, they must know. I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. See, it's time we start to understand what our reality is. It's not to compete with others. Jesus Christ did not save you so that you can be better than your sister. You know, we've created songs in our churches in Nigeria. We've created songs. Like, let me be outstanding more than my household. I want to be the top in my household. And these are the songs we sing and clap and dance in church. I'm the next in line for great things. So until those things happen, you cannot rejoice. We've, we've been taught wrongly. This is not the faith. See, the majority of the apostles, they were never the richest in their time. They don't even have much money than any other person. What they had, what stood them out is the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. So if we will shine the light of Christ that has risen upon us, we have to arise in joy and character again. So that nothing holds you down. The devil is confused. He say, uh -uh, let me afflict him with this one. You still rejoice. Hallelujah. He say, okay, let me try this one. You are still rejoicing. He say, let me leave him alone. We meet Christian men. You know, this is A.W. Stoza's words. I love the way he wrote this one. He said, we meet Christian men and women who always look. We meet Christian men and women who always seem to look gloomy or they always look on the gloomy side of life and never able to do anything with life's problem but grumble. Small challenges, they are grumbling. Say, I meet them often, and when I do, I wonder, can these people be reading the same and trusting the same Bible I read? He says he's surprised. And sometimes, as a person also, I am wondering, sometimes I see believers, the way we undo small matter, I'm like, is this person a believer? Life is not that hard, though. You are the one that wants to have what a 60-year-old is having at 24. That's why you are filled with burden of life. People give their time, they pay attention to grow their career, and they start earning well, but you want to compete with that person. That's why life is looking somehow. Praise God. So we say enjoy and character. Let me define character for you. Character is consistency. Just write it and underline that one. Character is what? Consistency in doing good in anything, any anything you face in life. So he's not saying, ah, it's because of this that I, am, I'm, I slap him. That's not character. We have to get better. The Holy Ghost is in us, and it gives us joy unspeakable. Joy celebrates. We burst out in joy over the things God has done. Hallelujah. We just burst out in joy. I don't rejoice because I have everything going in line. As a matter of fact, in the definition of things going in line, I don't have everything going in line. But I have one thing going in line, and that brings me to the place of joy. I am a believer. I have eternal life in me. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
I don't have money more than people. I'm living in an average house. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So if I want to make that one to be the reason why I rejoice, maybe I'll be depressed. No wonder Paul says, we do not have confidence in the flesh. Isn't one of these days we talk about that? We don't have confidence in the flesh. If your confidence is in the flesh, anything you achieve, if you meet anybody that has achieved more in that space, you will be challenged. Your life will just be there. You'll be unhappy. Until they perturb you, until they do you uh, tickly, until, that's the only time you can laugh. Something is wrong with you. Something is wrong with you. Until you see something that excites you, until somebody gives you words of affirmation. You know, person say, oh, you are beautiful. Say, oh, thank you. Ha, I pity you. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? You don't wait for all those things to rejoice. We don't wait for all those things to rejoice. This is how to grow character. To embrace what God has said concerning you. I don't wait till I become wealthy to rejoice. Or till I become ill from my sicknesses to rejoice. Or till I have big family to rejoice. You know, even in the secular space, they have a lot of discoveries they make about happiness, for example. And I read one, one time like that. Happiness is a voyage. And they, 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 they've discovered. People will say, ah, why are you, why are you sad? Say, well, I'm sad because I'm writing my exam. When I pass the exam, I'll be happy. So the person was sad, sad, sad. He passed the exam. He's still sad. Ah, why are you sad? I'm sad because I passed the exam, but I've not gotten the admission. When I get the admission, I'll be happy. The person wait till admission come. The person is still sad. Ah, why are you sad? I'm sad because I've not gotten first class. When I get first class, I'll be happy. First class came. The person said, oh, I'm sad because I've not gotten a job. When I get my, my dream job, I'll be happy. The person got dream job. I'm sad because I've not gotten married. When I get married, I'm sad because I don't have children yet. When I have children, I'm sad because my children are so stubborn and troublesome. When, I am, when they go out, I'll be happy. I'm sad because I don't even, I'm lonely. My, all my children are abroad. What do you want? They don't get happy at all till life finishes. They just keep postponing it. That's not the reality of a believer. Hallelujah. We must celebrate. We must allow the joy of God to well up on our inside. The Bible says, everyone rejoices over a soul that is saved. <laughs> if everyone is rejoicing, what about you? At least you, you are saved. Rejoice. Hallelujah. Praise God. Joy sings, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. We see, making melodies in your heart to God. Just make melody in your language, in English, in any language. Sing and bless the name of the Lord. Don't wait till you have something you are open before you bless the name of the Lord. Praise God. We choose to, be re to rejoice. You have to choose it. Just as it is in you. You have to say, out of me, I'm going to draw out what? Joy. In every situation. I'm going to rejoice. John Piper said, Christian joy is not an act of willpower but a spontaneous emotional response of the heart to the goodness of God. How? Can you see that? It's a spontaneous thing. So if it's not happening in you, I'll first ask, are you born again? Really? I think we need to start asking people. When all that you do is just bone up and down. Are we saying we can't feel sorrow when things happen? Maybe we lose a loved one. No. The Bible even called Jesus a man of sorrow. Do you understand? But even in sorrow, we are full of gratitude to God. 
We can feel sorrow. We can feel sad about something, but we don't dwell in sadness. That's the reality of the present young people. Sadness has become a order of the day because of social media. Because of social media. Ah, we grew up together. We went to school together. Now it's uh, this thing, it's that thing. When will you start leaving? So we have to arise in what? In knowledge and maturity. We have to arise in what? In joy and in character. It's important. When we fix our, our gaze on the Christ and preach the gospel to our hearts, the most appropriate response will be a humble, deep-rooted joy. See, don't just preach, preach the gospel to the people. Preach it to your heart also. Tell your heart. David did the same thing all the time, many times. He says, why are you down, oh my soul? Looking depressed and defeated. Look up to sky above. Heavens will send you help. Preach the gospel to your own heart. When you are going through challenges of life, preach the gospel to what? To your heart. You are the custodian of the gospel. You know, most of the time, what we have heard is people who are just concerned about other people. They are not concerned about the state of their heart. You are the first person to notice the error in every other person. You don't notice that sorrow and sadness is eating you up already. Jealousy and bitterness is taking a hold of you. Unforgiveness and pain is taking the best of your young life. You don't know, but you are just talking to people, talking to people. Talk to yourself also. Let the joy of God well up on your inside. Let the joy of the Lord become your strength. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. No wonder we'll be vigorous about the things we do in life. We'll be enthusiastic about joy, about the things we are doing. Even if what we do is to gather sheaves, we'll be excited to do it. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not, it's not until the, we become the one that discovered the cure for cancer before we rejoice. Even those people who discovered the cure for cancer are not rejoicing. They are still burdened with life, you understand? So it's not really about achievement. Some people have achieved the best, they still kill themselves. So you have to understand these things. Nehemiah 8 and verse 10, that's where it says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Habakkuk 3 and 18 says, I will rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 30, 35 and 9 says, My soul shall be joyful. Woo! I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. Joy is an act of worship. Joy is an act of worship. So when we say rejoice, at least start learning this more, more and rejoice. Don't say, ah, eh, Pastor Kola is energetic. No! I am rejoicing. When it is joy, I will be energetic. <laughs> Praise God. I can't watch football overnight like as you see me. I cannot watch football overnight. I cannot even read book overnight. But when it comes to joy in the Holy Ghost, I can do that one overnight. Believe me. I can rejoice in the Lord. That's the fact of life for me. Fun fact number one, I can rejoice overnight. Praise God. Lack joy is a manifestation of the flesh. Yes. Write it down and underline it. Or write it in capital letter. Lack of joy is a manifestation of the flesh because you don't believe in God's ability at that time. You are in the flesh. You don't believe that God has made you victorious. Did Jesus Christ said, in the world you face tribulations, but be of good cheers. Glory to God. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. 
Alcis Prow said that. I'm not the one who said it. Alcis Prow. And that, that made a lot of impact on my heart when I was reading it. All right. That's number two. And the third one, we're going to deal with it very quickly in eight minutes. It's very important we mention it because we are talking about what? Arising. We say arise, shine. That is, leave that posture of complacency and pain and comfort and come out and showcase the goodness of God to the world. Jesus Christ said it this way in Matthew. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. That is arise. Do you understand? Arise. Don't just say I'm a believer. We don't know anything until next Sunday. Even you, you don't know anything. You don't even know. You forgot you are a believer until next Sunday. When Pastor Fred is teaching about, you know, the, the reality of searchable riches of Christ. Say, ah, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. But when the church finishes like this, life's small challenges, you know, the light affliction of this world for, make you forget again. You start hustling and bustling, you know, and then you come back again on Sunday. You say, I'm a believer. At least you are coming. It's good. But you have to go do better than that. Hallelujah. Praise God. The third one is this. This is very important. Arise in excellence and influence. And I, I wish I had time to talk about this one. I'm going to do my best to rush it out. Arise in what? Excellence and influence. Psalm 67 and verse 2. Psalm 67 and verse 2. Can we just read it? I want to, I want to bring something out of that place. Psalm 67 and verse 2. That your way may be known on the earth. You use another translation, a TPT or something. I want to, there's something I want us to note there. It says, send us out all over the world so that everyone everywhere will discover your ways and know who you are and see your what? Power to save. Send us out all over what? The world. That is influence. Believers must stand from that place where you think the gospel is only for your household alone. Start with your household. I love the way Chris Devon sang it. I'm starting from my home and all my people and my country until I reach the end of the earth. I'm not going to sit down in my home alone. I'm going to tell people around me in influence. See, let me just say a few things about influence here. I say, Jesus Christ fulfilled the work, his work excellently. Do you know that? The Bible says he said it is finished. That is, he did everything needed to be done. Imagine Jesus Christ did not save us eternally. That's depressing. And that's the kind of gospel some people are preaching. An unfinished work. A work that is not excellent. We are, we are, we are, we are, we are synthesizing a new kind of gospel from where we are coming from. From weakness of man. No. Jesus Christ did his work. What? Excellently. When he saved a man, he saved him to the what? To the uttermost. He did his work, excellently worked. And we must learn excellence from him. He was excellent in words, in character, in doing, in everything. He is an excellent Christ. I have an excellent Christ. I have an excellent Savior. Hallelujah. Imagine he came to the world and became, and because of few challenges, he got angry and said, God, I'm coming back. Just imagine, you know, small challenge like this. You just say, God, are they come? Oh, are they come back? You know, he just send legions of angels. He can do it. Oh, he will just send legions of angels. All those Roman soldiers, they will deal with them. I'll just say, oh, guys, I'll see you later. 
and then you'll just be going, heaven, going to heaven. Imagine. That's not excellence. But he what? He endured the pain because he needs to fulfill or finish your salvation. But our Jesus is an excellent Jesus. We must start to showcase excellence in what we do. Excellence in speech and character and attitude. Whatever our hands finds to do, we must do it excellently. See, as believers, we must begin to arise in excellence right now. If you want to take the gospel to the parliament, you want to take it to the western world, what do you know? They will ask you. You want to take the gospel to the midst of engineers, then you must be a good engineer. You want to take the gospel to, to the midst of doctors, you must be a good doctor. So God wants us to arise in excellence and to arise in influence. I says the standard of our excellence should not be the mediocrity of our locality, huh? but the genius of the globe. So, for example, you are in Cyprus. It's easy to have A in Cyprus. So stop shouting about A. Stop, uh, oh, I had A in this, I had A in that. That's not enough. Do you know who you are competing with? You have to start thinking global. So you have A now, you are relaxing, you are excited. Because you just need to read for two hours, you have A. What do they, they don't know how to set any question. So to have A is the easiest thing. But you are, you are a scientist, and you have A in Cyprus, then you are just sitting on that. Uh -huh. You call your friend who is in the US. You know, I had all A's. And that one will be like, ah, ah, that's great. He did not know that they are not engaging you well. You have to arise in excellence. Arise in what? Excellence. My friend left this place. I went to the UK for a program, a, a, a master's program. You understand? And she, she was giving some assignment. And I, I'm like, see, education is different in that place than here. So when you are doing it here, I'm not saying it's wrong. Be excited. You understand? But don't dwell on what they are just teaching you in class. Your, your lecturer will just come. Maybe he, he has not even published any paper in that field. Sir. He's just coming to read one thing to you. And that is enough for you. That is not excellence. So as a student, new student, you have to arise in what? Excellence. Read beyond the borders of your school. Study to show yourself approved unto God and unto man. Hallelujah. Jesus prayed well, preached well, walked well, corrected well. We have so many examples of excellence in the Bible. Influence is, is fueled by excellence. Influence is done, is what? Is, is fueled by excellence. Let me just read this part. Influence is fueled by excellence. We have to also be influential to be able to get the message across to the world. If you think that preaching on TV and establishing ministries abroad is a sign or proof that God is faithful, then you are a joke. That's number one. But don't stay there. Don't stay there. If you also think that influence and popularity should not be leveraged to get the gospel further and further to the end of the earth, then you are a greater joke. Because we like to sit in this corner. Ah, this person is just this, is just that. But what about using that? What you have known? Use that leverage of influence to take it further. See, let me, let me write what I wrote here. I said, you see, People understand the language of wealth, excellence, and influence. But God understands the language of faithfulness and humility and brokenness. As men of God in the 21st century, 
We must speak the language of God and the language of men. So you must speak the language of brokenness and faithfulness and humility. You must also speak the language of wealth, influence, and excellence for you to take God's word to the people. The both of them are important. We must be men who are humble before God and confident before men. Don't just be a man who is humble before God, but you get to a man, they just blow one English. You cannot even respond. You say, Makadabaya, Katabaya. You are responding in tongues. How do you influence them if you are just responding in tongues? Do you understand what we are saying? So develop yourself. What you are studying, study it well. We must carry the message of God to man. You are not carrying the message of God to God. You carry it to man. And the language that men, some men, some men understand, you have to speak it. Excellence. Jesus Christ said in Matthew 16 that we should go everywhere preaching the gospel. I, I, I picked a few lines from Rick Warren's book. It just came to my heart. I just went to open it. And he said some things. How, how, so I, I, I link it to how you can grow more in excellence or in influence. Number one, think globally, not locally. Start thinking global. Think beyond Cyprus. Think beyond Nigeria or, or Liberia or anywhere you're from. That's why some of you are having a hard time to even relate with somebody from another country. You are too local to influence other people. Excellence mindset is zero. Influence, zero. Knowledge, zero. No, we have to start speaking the language that is universal. Love is universal. Excellence is universal. Influence is universal. Everybody understand it anywhere in the world. We have to start playing victim or stop playing victim all the time. Read well. So think global. We must start shifting from self thinking mentality to others thinking mentality. Only me. Me, 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 me. Mini, mini, mani, mu. Like, think about others. Think about the generation of your children after you. Think about people in different countries hearing the word of God. Relate with people. Number three, live confidently. Nobody who is influential who is not confident. Let me say that again. Nobody is influential who is not what? Confident. So if you are shy, that is a local mentality. Go and learn how to be confident. And as a believer, we should not even be shy. The Bible says the righteous is as bold as a lion. See, every, every um, teaching of coaches and this thing, this thing, they, have, they, draw, they draw them from the Bible most of the time. Every book that they read, they've read books that was written from books that was written from other books that was written from the Bible. Do you understand me? The Bible says the righteous is as bold as a lion. You, you want to go and talk to somebody, you are shy. How do you develop your influence and character in that place? Pass on what you know to others. That's the fourth one. We must pass on what we know to others. You are not just here to come and know it and know it and know it. What are you doing about others that don't know it? Your siblings, your sister. Yesterday, I was talking with my younger sister. She's planning, she's getting married in March. I told her, yourself and your husband-to-be, 
I need to do a marriage counseling session for you. <laughs> Glory to God. You know what I did? What Pastor Victor taught us. What our own counselor taught us. I carried the book, put it on the table. Pa. Two hours, four sessions. <laughs> Praise God. See, we, this, you may be laughing, but this is a fact. Don't just hold what you know. Pass it on to others. Pass it on to others. That is a way to be influential. You cannot just grow influence on your bed, competing with the people who are sleeping. Influence don't come to us at home. Maintain passion for your work. Whatever you have chosen to do, maintain passion for it. Stop waiting for perfect until I have this one, that one. No. Start now. Be passionate about what you do. Be passionate about what you know. God has called you into ministry. You know something about finances. You know something about character. You know something about, you are passionate about children. Let your passion be seen in what you do. Don't let people confuse your passion for something else. That's how to grow influence. Increase in competence. Communicate better. This is how to grow influence and be excellent. You have to communicate better. What you are learning right now, learn to speak it in the language that the people that you want to say it to will understand. That's how to grow influence. Hallelujah. So those three points, hold on to them. Hold on to them. Arise in the knowledge, in knowledge and in maturity. Knowledge of what? First, the knowledge of God. Far and above, and then every other kind of knowledge. Then arise in joy and in character. Then arise in what? Excellence and in influence. You know, I, I wrote a formula here. I said destiny fulfillment equal to identity realization plus responsibility practices. I created that one. When you realize your identity and you take responsibility for that identity, then you will fulfill destiny. It's as simple as that. Oh, seven ways to fulfill destiny. I've, I've put all of them. I've read several books right now. And then I comp just like Mas Moreau, we say, I've done the research for you. And I'm giving you straightway. Destiny fulfillment is what? Identity realization. Know who you are. And take responsibility for that identity. You will fulfill destiny. Take it to the bank. Can we bow our heads to pray? Just, just pray to God. Say, Lord, help me. I don't want to just be a believer inside my house. I don't want to be a believer inside my house alone. A, a, an excellent believer is not just the one who is in his house, but is the one who starts from his house. You do it well in your house and you take it on to the world. You do it well. You teach your wife, you teach your children, and you take it on to the world. Can you just say, Lord, help me. Help me open my eyes to see. Help me to embrace your truth. In the name of Jesus.